Hello friends, today I want to preach a message called The Invitation. We're going to talk about four invitations to prayer and three things to consider while we're in prayer. I don't know what the fanciest invitation you've ever received from somewhere because I've been looking uh, around and some invitations that people are sending today to people to join their wedding or some other ceremony are just astounding. Some come with gold embossed script, some come in a gift wrap box, some come with music or other delicacies and some come with a video accompanied or sometimes there's airline tickets and a hotel reservation built in. And I I was just astounded when I began to research this and see what people are doing as a way of invitation. And it it got me thinking about how God invites us to some things. Because in the scriptures, when the the scriptures talk about the call of God, uh, it's in the the understanding that God calls us by invitation. He invites us to profound things, to great blessings in our lives. And so this calling, this invitation of God to certain places. And and God is calling right now for the church to come to join Him in a place of prayer. And I was wondering about how He's sending out those invitations. And it struck me that there are four primary ways God invites us to the place of prayer. So let me just go through those one by one to see if maybe you haven't heard His call in your life to come to the altar of prayer right now. The first way that God invites and reminds us to pray is He gives us directives. Plainly spoken is this is God just saying out loud, hey, you need to be praying. In Luke 18, there's this fascinating parable that Jesus tells about a woman who feels like she's not getting justice and she really just hounds the judge. She nags him into submission till eventually he says, listen, I'm just going to give this lady what she wants because she's going to wear me out by her coming. Now, Jesus told that parable, which has really just got only one simple uh, idea behind it. And in Luke 18, 1, he says the reason he told this parable. And it says, Jesus told his disciples this parable to show that they should always pray and not give up. That's the whole purpose of the parable. Your job is to always pray and not give up. See, sometimes we we mistake. God sometimes just speaks as plainly as He can. Guys, this is what I want you to be doing. Jesus told this parable to tell His disciples, guys, your job is to be praying and not to give up in prayer. And so I just want to encourage you. This is the the simple teaching of our master. This is what Jesus said. You ought to be in prayer and you ought to not ever give up in prayer. You should be praying. Keep on coming and praying. And this is what Jesus taught almost consistently every time he taught on prayer. He taught about a persistence, about a perseverance in prayer. And this is what I'm saying to you. One of the ways God invites us to pray is he simply says it as a directive. You should pray. So let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5, because this is Paul. He brings up exactly the same idea. And he goes, guys, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. That another version says, pray without ceasing. Pray continually. This is a clear directive. This is not some vague statement about the will of God. Paul says, this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. 
So friends, it's one thing for us to say, oh, we've believed in the power of Jesus. We've embraced Him as our Savior. We've received the beautiful grace of God. And I say, amen, how beautiful, and I celebrate it with you. But once you are in Christ, this is the will of God for you in Christ, according to the Scriptures. Pray without ceasing. Pray continually. This is the clearly mandated and clear directive of the Scriptures. It's what Jesus says. This is one of the ways God does it. He says clearly and out loud, guys, I need you to be praying. Let's go to Ephesians 6, 18. I'm just barely reading Scriptures because I want you to see that this is not some strange anomaly. This is clearly stated all over the Word of God. Ephesians 6, 18 says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayer as, and requests, and with this in mind, always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. He says, all occasions, all kinds of prayers for all believers. That's the will of God for us. This is the mandate. Always keep on praying in the Spirit on all occasions. This means no matter what situation you're in, no matter what occasion you're in, you ought to be praying about it. And you can pray with all kinds of prayers. People say, well, I, I couldn't really pray in this situation because I don't know what to pray. Well, pray the kind of prayer that's in your heart. Jesus, I need your help. Lord, would you come and give me wisdom? Show me what to do. All kinds of prayers on all kinds of occasions for all the kinds of people. That's what the will of God is. So number one, you say, Greg, how does God invite me to pray? Well, he plainly states it. Come and pray. You ought to be in prayer. There's a directive from God. He gives straight directives. And some of you have been feeling, as you've been spending some time with the Lord during this COVID season, waiting on the Lord, you begin to feel in the Spirit, the Lord say, I want you to draw near and, and I want you to be praying more. If that's you, I just want to say the Lord is making it clear to you. Now is your season of prayer. Now is the moment. Right early on when we started this series in the, in the COVID response, Michelle had a word from the Lord where, where we talked about Elijah. And Elijah went up the mountain and prayed earnestly and God sent the rain after three, year, three and a half years of drought. This is the season we're in. It's a call from God, a directive, come and pray. The second way that God sends out an invitation to His people is He calls us to consider our devotions. In Colossians 4, from verse 2 to 4, Paul says, uh, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our ministry. The, the idea here is that in our devotion, he says, I want you to devote yourself. Uh, the other version of the Bible says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant and do it with thanksgiving. In other words, we pray and we watch and we give thanks for the answers because your prayers are powerful and effective. Your prayers do move the needle. You, in partnership with God, makes a profound difference on the earth. So don't think that you must first taste delight and that will drive you to come and seek the Lord. Uh, no, when you decide to come and seek the Lord, you will find your delight in Him. For the scripture says, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. It starts with a decisive action, not with a comprehensive feeling. Don't wait until you feel devotion to the Lord and then come he said, devote yourself 
and you will feel the emotions that come afterwards. Being devoted and feeling, uh, experiencing the feelings of devotion are two separate things. The Bible does not say feel devotion. It says be devoted. Not feel devotion, be devoted. Or rather, in this case, devote yourselves. So the Lord gives directives, but He also calls for devotions. Part of the devotions of any person who wants to seek and walk with the Lord is that we bring Him the sacrifices. We bring Him the sacrifices of praise. We bring Him sacrifices of thanksgiving. But we also bring to our God our prayers. It is a way to honor our God. It is a way to communicate to Him that I know that you are able to answer this. I know that you are willing. I know that you are my Father. So I'm coming to bring my prayers to you. This is one of the devotions we bring. And the scripture says, devote yourselves. Make this a regular part of your devotion. This means that I have to make a decision. You say, but, but Greg, does it have to impact my calendar and my schedule? I don't want to have to really put myself out. I don't want to have to actually change my lifestyle. I don't want it to put me out in any way. Don't tell me that this devotion is actually going to impact me. And my answer is, yes, I really think it needs to. Now is a time of a call to prayer. Now an invitation is going out in the Spirit. And I just want to say to you, would you devote yourselves to a greater intensity, intensity of prayer in this season? It is the season for you and I to commit ourselves to this. I really think we ought to devote ourselves. There are directives from God. There are devotions that God expects from us. The third way that God invites us to this place of prayer is He stirs up our desires. In Colossians 4 verse 12, Paul is talking about Epaphras, who had joined him and who was praying for them. And he says this, Epaphras, who is one of you, is a servant of Christ Jesus, and he sends you greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you so that you may stand firm and, and in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and also for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Colossae, Laodicea, and Hierapolis were a few miles apart in the Lycus Valley. This was the back where uh, this man grew up. This was his backyard. Epaphras had grown up there. These were his family and his friends. This, these are the people he went to school with. These are the people he ran through the, the woods with. These were his people. And Paul said, God has stirred up Epaphras and he's, he's earnestly wrestling for you. His desires are stirred. He cares about these people. He cares about these cities and he is wrestling for you. One of the ways that God is going to invite you to prayer is he's going to call you to the place about uh, the, the people that you care about. So I want to ask you, who do you care about? Is it your family? Is it your city? Is it your nation? What do you care about? Because the things that you care deeply about, that's God's invitation to prayer, your desires. This is what Jesus said in John 14, 13. I will do whatever you ask in my name. John 15, 7, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. John 15, 16, you, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. John 16, 23, this, this goes on and on. In that day, you'll no longer ask me anything. Very truly, my Father will give you whatever you ask 
in my name. People say, well, I, I, Greg, I, I don't think my desire should play into my prayer life. No, your desires are one of the very um, the most used invitations by God. The desires, the things that you care about, the things that you long for, those are the things that God uses as an invitation to you. He stirs up your emotion. He stirs up your desire because He wants you to use that to motivate you to come in and pray. So we have directives from God. That's one of the primary ways He loves to do it. Your, uh, his his uh, devotion, the devotion that He requires of us is one of the primary ways. Your desires, again, is one of the primary ways. And the last of the primary ways is deserts. James 5.13 says, Is any one of you in trouble? Let them pray. That Greek word means in suffering or hardship or distress or evil. Is any one of you caught in a desert season? He, she should pray. Hard times and tough moments are the invitation of Jesus sent to our lives so that we get the invitation to come and pray. Is anybody in a desert season? You should pray, the scripture says. And this is why the Bible talks about sowing in tears, because sowing in tears is an accurate description of what needs to happen when you're in a desert season. This ability to cry out in fear or pain, it's one of the most effective ways to get your father's attention. God, help me. God, I need your help. So if you're in trouble or you're in pain or you're facing persecution, you should pray according to the scriptures. So my question is, anyone in trouble? Anyone facing some business challenges or suffering something or standing against evil? Pray. Right now, that is what's being shouted into the microphone. Can you hear it? Now is your invitation to prayer. The four invitations that God usually sends out that motivate people to prayer are these. Let me say them one more time. Directives. When He speaks to you directly and says, I want you to be praying more. And many of you have heard that during this season. I just want to encourage you. Let's do something about that directive. Sometimes the Lord stirs up our devotions and He calls us in those tender moments in the sweetness of our own heart to come and offer to Him prayers in the sweetness and in the beauty of our walk with Him. There are some people that God is going to call you to place of devoted prayer and you have to devote yourselves. So don't say, I'm just waiting for the devotion to kick in. No, devote yourself. Set it in your calendar. Make an appointment with yourself. Cut out some other things. Commit. Devote yourself to prayer in this season. It's vitally important at this time. So directives, devotions, desires. Make a note of what's stirring in your heart, what cares are in your spirit, because those are His invitation to prayer. And lastly, desert seasons. If you're in trouble, this is your moment. You ought to be praying. And friends, you may be in one or you may be in all of those at the same time. And I just want to say to you, this is the invitation of Jesus right now in this season. Come and pray. Come and commit yourself to a greater focus on your prayer life. Because God is wanting to accomplish profound things on the earth. And He wants to cooperate and co-labor with the people who understand that He gave them the authority. He gave them the keys of the kingdom. He gave them the right to unlock heaven on the earth.
So it really does need you and I to be a focused person at this time. It's not enough for us just to love the Lord. It's not enough for us just to understand grace. There is a moment, there is a season and an opportunity right now where the Holy Spirit is inviting us, come and cooperate with me, participate in this profound beauty of let's make some transformations to your life, to this city and to this nation. Now, now that you know how he invites us primarily to this place of prayer, I want to just consider three things that we need to think about when we pray. Uh, the first thing that we need to think about when we pray is our persistence. Jesus taught that if we're going to pray, we must never give up. He told them this parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. In Luke 11, Jesus told a parable and when he was teaching about prayer and he said this woman was heard because of her shameless audacity she would not take no for an answer this guy would not let his his neighbor say I'm not going to get up to help you he just kept persevering and this is Jesus express teaching on prayer I just want to say to you that I don't know how you you pray but I know for a fact that there is no single prayer that you can pray that's going to be all comprehensive the Bible Bible teaches that we should pray and keep on praying. Knock and keep on knocking. Seek and keep on seeking. And if we keep knocking and keep praying and keep seeking, we will find the door will be opened and our prayers will be answered. That is the absolute clear teaching of Scripture. So I just want to say to you, you are, if you say, yes, Greg, I've heard one or all four of those calls to prayer. What should I do? I want to remind you that our persistence counts doesn't matter the length of your prayer. It matters how often you pray. So I would just recommend to you in the things that, that scare you, in the things that you care about, in the things that you've heard God speak about, just keep knocking. Come pray 20, 30, 40 times a day. A, just a 30-second prayer 40 times a day is a beautiful thing. Lord, I'm trusting you for this. Father, you know my heart. I'm crying out in Jesus' name. Break through in this area area, Father. Jesus said, you will be heard because of your shameless audacity. In Revelation chapter 5 and verse 8, there's a scripture that talks about the elders who are around the throne of Jesus Christ, and they're holding golden bowls of incense, and the golden bowls of incense are called the prayers of the saints. Your prayers get gathered together with all the saints into a golden bowl and it rises before God as this beautiful fragrance. You're saying, I know that you'll come through. I know that you have the power to break through. I know that my prayers are important. I know that you are willing. Here I am offering this prayer. Take every prayer as an opportunity for God to find beauty and joy and delight in you because every time you open up your mouth to speak, out of prayer, you're also speaking out a bit of faith and that always pleases God. So this partnership with God in prayer is an important aspect of what needs to happen now. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 11, as you help us by your prayers. So your persistence in prayer is going to be a tremendous help. It's not merely partnering with people, but it's partnering with heaven. So won't you let the Holy Spirit pray His heart through you? Now every prayer session is going to hit every prayer point 
But I just want to say that if you'll persevere in these things and keep asking, perseverance is better than a single single performance. Your perseverance is better than a single performance. Keep going. It doesn't matter how perfect the prayer was. It matters how often you bring them. I would want to just invite you just to up your perseverance in prayer for the next few months. Our city, our church, our nation needs you to step up. The second thing I want to say is not just our perseverance, but remember our position. God is encouraging the church to experience a shift in how and where we see ourselves in prayer. He's asking many of us to reposition our prayer altars from the place of earthly struggle to heavenly victory. He's calling the church to realize our position in Christ, not only as a biblical truth, but also as a positional truth and an experiential reality from which we can pray. God is calling us to remember that we are not supposed to build an altar in the middle of the circumstances and try and reach God from that place. Our position of prayer is in heavenly places where we have been blessed with all spiritual authority, with every spiritual blessing, where we've been seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Being on the ground underneath a hurricane's power is very difficult from the satellite images of the hurricane with its eye from above, with the sun shining on the top of the clouds. Praying from an altar towards God in the middle of our circumstances is a far cry from praying from heaven's altar along with God. One feels distant, the other feels like union with Christ. One is desperately caught up in the power of the storm. The other is peaceful and caught up in the power of God. Remember your position in Christ. Greg, I want to pray. Well, remember to persevere, but also remember your position. Do not set up an altar in the middle of the fear. Set up the altar in heaven. Come to the Lord. Spend time with Jesus in this beautiful heavenly place. You will discover that peace takes rule of your heart, that His kindness is what you begin to see. You stop looking at the, at the emotion of the day and you stop being blown back and forth by every wind of doctrine and the alarming things that men would run after. You begin to be anchored in the beauty and the nature of Jesus Christ and you begin to pray prayers along with God not towards God. You begin to listen to Jesus' voice and respond and let the Holy Spirit carry you in in moments and, and hours of prayer. You begin to impact and make a difference. And I promise you, friends, that kind of prayer transforms your life while you wait for the answers. The third thing that we have to remember is our promises. We have to remember our perseverance. We have to remember our position and we have to remember our promises. We're not orphans trying to impress a potential visiting parent of our own merit. We are beloved children who have been promised great things. We come to our Father speaking His great promises because they are the reason for our boldness. The God who never lies gave us sworn promises. You better believe that I'm clinging to those promises when I come to Him in prayer. Jesus was given some promises that He would be raised to life again by the Father because the Father had sworn, I swear this to you, you will never, your body will not see decay. It was a promise that Jesus had 
had. It allowed him to go to the cross for him to surrender himself to the will of people who he knew wanted to kill him. And he went willingly because he had a promise from the Father. The Bible says, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Jesus went through all of that because God had promised him that he would be the eternal high priest. I will make you a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek was the promise that Jesus had before he went. So in the garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus is suffering, he prays the high priestly prayer. He's sweating blood, but he's crying out to God, wrestling in prayer, enduring the cross. And he was able to do that because of the promises that his father had spoken to him. I want to say to you, friends, that you need to remember the promises God has spoken to you because they are weapons for you. They are armor for you at this time. They're going to strengthen you. They're going to give you hope. They're going to stir up your confidence in God. So remember the promises. that God has given you and come to Him bringing those promises. Say, Father, you said and I believe you. Break it open now, Lord. Expand that impact of that promise. Make it manifest in my life. Bring it into our nation. Change things, Father. The three things that you need to remember in prayer is persistence. You need to remember your position and you need to remember the promises of God. As clearly as I can say it, friends, this is what I believe is the situation that we're in. In our lives personally, because of some of the medical realities and some of the fiscal realities that are going on in our society, the church needs to wake up and come to prayer. Because of some of the things that are going on in our city, the church needs to wake up and join in this ministry of prayer. Because of the realities of our nation, The church in our nation needs to wake up and join together to pray. The only way that we're going to see the favor and the beauty and the kindness and the majesty of our God is when we as the church take up the responsibility that Jesus gave us. And I believe in multiple different ways Jesus has been inviting his church over these many months. Come and pray more. So I want to say to you, I want to lay a charge to you. I dare you and I call you and I plead with you. Would you settle something in your heart right now? Would you commit yourself for the next month to a greater intensity of prayer? Let's see if we can't move the needle together. Let's see if we gather more and more believers together, whether we won't see significant changes in the things we all care about. Because I promise you, I promise you, your prayers are powerful and they have great effect if you pray in Jesus' name. So friends, make up your mind today. I'm going to pray more. You're going to hear more about this in the days to come. We'll put out more directives, I would suggest, on how do you pray and, and what you should pray about. Watch for those. But in the meantime, commit yourself, devote yourself to prayer. Wrestle with us through some of the things. Let's call on God for peace. Let's pray for for leaders in every facet of society, governmental leaders, political leaders, business leaders, church leaders. We need prayer. And the Bible says when we pray for them, it leads to a peaceful life. God wants wholeness and health in our city and in our nation. And it's time for the church to engage.
Thank you so much for being with us. We look forward to seeing you again. And let's join together in the prayer room during this week. I'll see you there. Bye.